2: Streaming health, happiness, and hope to the renal community
1: with your hosts Lori Hartwell and Stephen First.
0: Well, today we have a topic that's really important. It's uh, it's blood pressure. You know, people oh, don't really understand I blood pressure. Love
2: blood pressure. You love. I blood love pressure. taking my blood pressure with one of those home ones. You know, because I, I they squeeze my arm and I feel, you know, it's like feeling like a baby being hugged. Oh, you feel you loved. Know? But the... You, But the thing is, it's it's so weird, and I want to ask the doctor this. uh, You know, I I'll do it twice, and I'll have totally different results within like fifty points difference. And if you take it on another arm, it's different. Bad cuff.
0: Uh, But today we're here with Dr. Uh, James Wilson.
2: I guess I don't
1: shop at Walmart anymore, huh?
0: You know, he's a director of dialysis and CKD at UCLA All of You Medical Center. So, welcome to the show, Dr. Wilson.
1: Thank you, Lori. I'm really, really excited to be here.
0: Well, you know, we're here to talk about blood pressure today because I think a lot of people, you know, listening to the show, um, they may have family members, they may not understand it. So, can you tell us, you know, what causes high blood pressure or what it actually is? Yeah, so
1: high blood pressure is uh, when the pressure in the arteries is essentially above normal or, or too high. Um, there's many different causes of high blood pressure, but most of the time, 90 to 95% of the time, we don't find a cause for the high blood pressure, and we call that primary Um, high blood pressure or primary hypertension, Um, but there are some cases of high blood pressure that we do know the cause, and that makes up about five to 10% of the cases, and we call that secondary high blood pressure or secondary hypertension, and we know that someone has high blood pressure when their systolic and their diastolic numbers are too high. The systolic number is, of course, that number on top, um, and that's the, the number that reflects the pressure in the arteries when when the heart pumps, and the diastolic number, that's the number on the bottom, and that reflects the pressure in the arteries when the heart relaxes. And when those numbers get above uh, 140, over 90, then we start to worry about high blood pressure in our patients.
2: Now, let me ask you a question. I know on me personally, because this show is all about me, uh, is, you know, I'll have a let's say 130, Mm -hmm. but the bottom number would be like 50.
1: Well, that's to be technically dead, then, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> that—that's actually a, a, pr- a pretty good number. Sometimes, um, to get your question, when there's a, a large difference between the two numbers, um, that re- can reflect other problems. We call that difference between the systolic blood pressure and the diastolic blood pressure the pulse pressure. And sometimes, if that gets very, very large, that can reflect an underlying problem. But in the example that you gave long as you're able to talk and walk and do your normal activities of daily living, that's a pretty good blood pressure.
0: Well, I know for me, when I had, you know, leading back on to going on to dialysis, mm-hmm. I was taking more and more blood pressure medicine. Right. And it was interesting because I didn't realize that some blood pressure medicine acts immediately and some's long acting. And it's really interesting to understand that because if you take one that works immediately and you've never taken it before, you really should take it when you're at home see how it works the longer acting one is a a little bit easier because it's not so drastic
1: absolutely some of these blood pressure medicines come on very very um fast and if the patient's not aware and like you said gets up too quickly or tries to go out and do some brisk walking um, sometimes i can actually have uh you know, a negative effect and in, in, in really causing the patient to be a little bit dizzy. Um, so it's really, really important when when anyone looks at their blood pressure to confirm, in fact, that the blood pressure is high because sometimes um, additional medicines may not be necessary if you just take your blood pressure once and it's, and it's elevated. You really have to confirm with multiple measurements throughout the day and many different times through the week that the blood pressure is high before we add on additional medicines because these medicines do have side effects,
0: right? They they do, and it's uh, and also, uh, you know, salt causes high blood pressure, right?
1: Yeah, it it is amazing how something as simple as salt, such a small little electrolyte, can have such a large effect on blood pressure. So salt, um, w- we all need salt, obviously, but the body absorbs salt um, to maintain the blood volume and the blood pressure. And when the body absorbs sodium and, and salt, um, it absorbs and reabsorbs water with it. So sodium is a major cause of not only causing Um, high blood pressure but sort of maintaining high blood pressure and really one thing that I emphasize in my patients before we get really aggressive with medicines is dietary modification just going on a really uh, not only a low sodium diet but really almost a no sodium diet can have just a remarkable effect in lowering um, blood pressure, but that's so
2: difficult. It, it is everything has salt in it.
1: it. It is difficult, and sometimes we forget that salt substitutes also um, could uh, play a, a role in high blood pressure. And you're right; it is a very, very difficult thing to have a low sodium diet. What What's recommended is the so-called DASH diet. The D a S H diet that like any Mrs. like Mrs. Dash that anyone could do uh, Google, but essentially it's things like nuts and fruits and vegetables. It's definitely been shown um, to lower blood pressure, but as you mentioned, that's not very much fun, is it? To have no, but only. you can't
0: have nuts if you're on dialysis. But, right, you know, right.
1: <laughs> but
2: what about the the tomatoes? So. I mean, tomatoes have a high natural sodium.
1: Yeah, you know, anything in moderation, I think it's just... No,
2: tomatoes had sodium in it. Absolutely, especially when you sprinkle the salt on top of them. Okay. <laughs> no, I, and, I and hear that. do.
0: A, and this is an interesting interview because I think a lot of the people listening, if they're on dialysis, but, you know, their family members need to be aware that high blood pressure is a big issue, and you don't feel it do
1: you? Yeah, that's one of the problems with high blood pressure. Typically, patients don't feel it or people don't feel high blood pressure. Definitely, if they have high blood pressure and they have some of the symptoms that you might get with high blood pressure, it's time to see a doctor. Some of those symptoms might be um, headache. Headache and high blood pressure uh, would be warrant further evaluation, blurry vision, chest pain, or even shortness of breath. All those in the setting of high blood pressure would really warrant more evaluation and, and should let a physician know.
2: What's the secret ingredient for delicious yet healthier meals? Why, Mrs. Dad's seasoning blends, of course, The 12 varieties of Mrs. Dash are all made up with a unique blend of 14 natural herbs and spices to make side dishes snap, potato pop, and dinner stays unbelievable. And since Mrs. Dash has always been salt-free with no MSG, you can create great tasting meals full of only one thing, mouth-watering flavor. Here's an easy-to-make, healthy recipe idea. Coat some boneless chicken breast in a mixture of Parmesan cheese, breadcrumbs, and Mrs. Dash original blend. Sauté in extra
1: virgin olive oil until done. Then give a small squeeze of fresh lemon juice and serve over your favorite pasta. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that sound good?
2: Well, for more information, visit mrsdash.com. Mrs. Dash, salt-free,
0: flavorful. What would you? What is the ideal blood pressure for you? The
1: ideal blood pressure, and that's a great question. There's there's new recommendations.
0: Wait,
2: if it's a great question,
1: what is the normal range, uh, the best range for He's you? He's gotta
0: always one up me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, a, a great blood pressure would be 120 over uh, 80, um, and but. In, in someone with chronic kidney disease, I think the goal is anywhere less than 130 over 80, but that goal is shifting, and, and new recommendations are coming out that as long as the blood pressure on average stays less than 140 over 90, um, that's probably an acceptable blood pressure, that varies, obviously, um, for different patient population. That's definitely not the goal for children. Children's going to be uh, much less. But for an adults, anything under uh, 140 over 90, um, there's new guidelines coming out are showing that that's probably acceptable range.
0: Well, my blood pressure now after my transplant is 100 over 60. Sometimes it goes to 90 over 60 and my doctor, my nephrologist says they don't want it under 100. But I'm on no blood pressure medicine and you know that seems to be where it likes to stay is 100 over 60.
1: And, and for you, I think that's a wonderful blood pressure. Again, as long as you're able to do your activities of daily living and you don't get dizzy when you stand up, your heart and your body likes that blood pressure. And you have such a petite body yeah, that well, that's perfect. Yeah, when I
0: stand up, I don't have far to stand up. So I don't have a huge <laughs> shift in blood volume, do I? No. I know one <laughs>
2: of the main problems for people on dialysis is, is um, low blood pressure. Yes. You know, and... Um, I know that then because it's high of the- blood
0: pressure then low blood pressure. Right, blood it's pressure. a big
1: that that is one of the biggest challenges. You're right because patients come into the dialysis unit very hypertensive, two hundreds over one hundreds, oh needing goodness. needing lots of fluid off. But as you mentioned, yeah. taking that fluid off is a challenge. Sometimes an hour and a half, two hours into dialysis, the blood pressure drops. So it's very very important for patients that are on dialysis to manage their fluid intake. So So um, during dialysis, not a lot of fluid has to be taken off and really protect the blood vessels, protect the bones um, as a bridge to getting that kidney transplant. That's all we're doing on dialysis, really just protecting the body and buying time until we get that kidney transplant.
0: Well, a great example about blood pressure and how, you know, people who have high blood pressure and why it's the second leading cause of kidney failure is because your your circulatory system, which the blood's going through, is like a plumbing system. And the the harder that pressure's going through, it really just scars the kidneys. And that really is what's happening when that, shh, I can't make the noise very well. It was pretty but, accurate, go, though. Was that pretty good? It was very um, good. Uh, you know, I can be a voiceover person if anybody's interested. But... Um, yeah, if it flows through at a very fast pace, doesn't it like scar the kidneys? Is that what causes the kidneys to fail?
1: Yeah, over time, high blood pressure causes a lesion called hypertensive nephrosclerosis and scarring over the kidney, and it's kind of a vicious cycle. There's areas of the kidney that don't get blood, and the kidney sends out signals that it needs higher blood pressure, and it makes the blood pressure worse, and it's a really a vicious cycle. But sometimes we forget that also just having kidney disease can can cause the hypertension. So it's not only the high blood pressure causing the kidney disease, but some people are born or develop kidney disease. And as a result of that kidney disease, then develop the high blood pressure and kidney disease is a a leading uh, and large cause of high blood pressure in this country. Well,
0: yeah, they took out both my kidneys because my blood pressure was too high at age 13. You know, it was uncontrollable. I remember growing up, I had, Uh, it was actually an interesting, my pressure was like 220 over 140. I lived in Las Vegas and my mom had to get on a flight because I could actually see my heart coming out of my chest. It was pumping so much. And my mom, we went to the airport. It's a, it's a neat story because the flight was full, and Lucille Ball was on the flight. She gave her seat up to her uh, seat next to her. She always bought the seat next to her, to my mom, and she held me the whole way going to Children's. Wow! You know, because I was just—I mean, they didn't know how to handle uh, blood pressure, and it was just uncontrollable. I mm-hmm. mean, and this was in the early '70s when, you know, some of the first blood pressure medications were coming out, like. I think I was like Inderol and Opresilene. I remember those names, but they'd never been used on children. Mm-hmm. And it still didn't help my blood pressure. It was just out of control. And that's ended up, you know, what caused my kidney failure. And my kidneys were damaged from the E. coli bacteria. So blood pressure has been...
2: But That's because like, why? You know, what? Why did you get E. coli?
0: <laughs> well, I didn't. In my household, he always makes me say this, but... You know, it wasn't uncommon that they would eat raw beef when they were making a hamburger. They would pick it up and just eat the the hamburger.
1: Kind of like cookie dough, right? Yes, when you're making cookies, yes, you eat the, the cookie dough.
0: Disgusting
2: well, thing I've ever heard. I,
0: I, it's, it is pretty disgusting, but that was just something that I remember my family doing. Do you it, have you have you heard of people doing that?
1: Um, okay, He's gonna not nice. too much, well, but I think tartar. there is. Yeah, I was going to say a, a beef or a steak yeah. tartare that but, you can but do.
0: This was Something I remember as a child that was done in my family, and you did know, they, they do it to Omaha. you? Was it was it they a were punishment? They from Omaha. I was only two, so I don't know. It was but a punishment. Omaha. Yeah, I was bad. They they didn't put me on the naughty mat. They made me eat raw hamburger, mm. but um yeah, in Omaha, I don't know. It was just an interesting so, thing that would happen, and and they pretty much conclude that was you know my 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 kidney failures, uh from HO one five seven from hemolytic uremic syndrome. Yeah, so. Um, well. But anyways, it's, getting it's a back a on the place.
1: Midwest thing.
0: The Midwest thing. Uh, so, you know, I always have a blood pressure cuff, and, and Stephen alluded a little bit to it, but you know, why is it so important to have a blood pressure cuff and and, and why,
2: why are they such different readings? I know some doctors uh, use a wrist cup mm-hmm. and the other ones, you know, take it on your leg. Why do they go all over?
1: Yeah, so the sensitivity of these blood pressure cuffs just isn't um, perfect. Um, if you get a reading of 120 over 80 and a, a second reading of 200 over 100, then you know you have a big problem with your blood pressure cuff. Uh, If the difference is only 5 or 10 in the top or bottom, that's probably within the acceptable range for that blood pressure cuff. But you're absolutely right, Lori, that you have to check the blood pressure many, many different times. Because small little changes in your life, a little bit of stress can raise that blood pressure. And if you use that blood pressure as sort of a a guide for how you should manage your medicines, it may not be accurate. So you really need to provide to yourself and to your doctor a blood pressure log so you could really see the trends throughout the week, throughout the month, um, and and figure out which medicines uh, are, are best Uh, for you, and and also keep in mind uh, the value to get to your question of a a blood pressure monitor at home is because many patients, when they see the doctor, their blood pressure goes up, and I don't blame them. And we call that white coat hypertension. When they see that white (laughs) coat, the blood pressure goes up. Anywhere from 20 to 25 percent of patients with hypertension have white coat hypertension. So it's important to provide to that doctor um, what your blood pressure is at home because the blood pressure in the office may not reflect um, the actual blood pressure. No,
2: no. Why do people get so nervous going to the doctor? I mean, that
1: seems to be the very, very. They're
2: well, going to get a
0: bill. That yeah. made me nervous.
1: Look, look, at me. When do don't you get nervous when you see me? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well,
0: no, I, think, I it's, think doctors don't always give good news. So maybe that's why. I, well, you also if you have any kind of
2: let's say infection too, that's going to raise your blood pressure.
1: It, exactly. I think it's just stressful too getting to the doctor's office, you know, navigating traffic, waiting in the doctor's office.
0: Waiting, um, that's the reason. And, and, that makes my blood pressure go up. Right. I have to wait when I have a million things to do.
1: And then waiting for the labs and so, you know, all that is stress and a little bit of stress definitely can release hormones and, and cause the blood pressure to go up. And, and there's also other medicines that patients might uh, take, too, that they're not aware of that can raise their blood pressure.
2: Well, what are some of those me- medicines? That'd be interesting to hear.
1: Yeah, so um, just over-the-counter medicines like decongestants uh, can raise the blood pressure. If someone's sick and they're taking a medicine uh, that contains pseudoephedrine, that can definitely raise the blood pressure. Weight loss medicines can raise the blood pressure as well. Migraine medicines can raise one's blood pressure, and a really common one is anti-inflammatory medicines. If someone's on Motrin or Ibuprofen, that can raise the blood pressure. And if the physician forgets to ask the patient, or the patient forgets to tell the physician, you know that could give to an inaccurate diagnosis or evaluation. So it's important to tell the physician if you're taking any of those medicines, and if at all possible, if you have high blood pressure, probably to avoid those medicines. And also keep in mind other herbal supplements. Herbal supplements that contain caffeinated derivatives that can also raise one's blood pressure
0: Well, I took one I had to take an antihistamine. There's one that's called BP control. Mm. It's uh, I forget which one, but there's one that if you have high blood pressure that you it, it's actually made kind of for that so maybe there's a little bit less in it. Um, but yeah, it definitely can cause your blood pressure to shoot up because I took it once and I didn't know. And yep. I, I soon learned that, yeah, those medications can raise your blood pressure drastically.
1: Absolutely.
0: You know, one thing that I heard, and I don't know if it's true, and it was the opposite of what I thought, but your blood pressure is actually higher when you wake up in the morning because you need a higher pressure to get up in the morning.
1: Yeah. It de- That's
0: a weird thing. I thought it'd be backwards.
1: Yeah, it, it definitely varies throughout the day. And it's important for um, everyone to know that it does. Uh, vary, and, and to keep that in mind when they when they take their blood pressure and, and keep a log of their blood pressure.
0: Yeah, because it uh, was, uh, you know, I just heard, and it was like, yeah, sometimes your blood pressure can be higher in the morning because you, you need to wake up, so your pressure starts to move up, and then you and I just thought, oh, when I wake up, it would be at the lowest point. And mm. that's not always the case.
1: It's not always the case. I mean, um, it, can, it, it definitely tends to be lower uh, as you sleep, and the heart rate tends to be lower. Um, but throughout the day, the blood pressure definitely starts to go up.
2: Well, and, you know, the, your position, too, because I know when I was on dialysis especially, that my blood pressure would be much lower if I stood up. Because mm. when I would crash on dialysis, yeah. the only way I could, you know, we re- counteract that is to lay
1: down
0: to lay well yeah because when you're laying down your blood's go it's got the gravity going for it right, right.
1: yeah absolutely and <laughs> and you guys know those good dialysis nurses and and many times they can which see one is si- it this si- can't find them you know oh, what i have to them. say almost every dialysis nurse i've worked with is um you know as smart or smarter than any physician I've worked with. They're so talented, they, they tend to know the patient so well, and and they're really able to to keep track and small changes of what goes on during dialysis, including signs of low blood pressure, and um, hopefully be able to prevent you know, yes. any of the side effects like cramping before it happens. Yes. And That's backup. the worst. The That's cramping the worst. when you're in a chair and you can't move. That's, That's the worst. Not
0: fun. Well, in addition to kidney failure that high blood pressure causes, what other health issues can high blood pressure cause, you know, because it always doesn't end up in kidney failure. So there's other things that, you know, wreaks havoc in your body.
1: Yeah. So the the other secondary things that can cause high blood pressure is um, sometimes when you have a limitation of blood flow to the kidney, we talked about earlier, such as renal artery stenosis. Patients get renal artery stenosis if they have a a long history of atherosclerosis. Certainly smoking contributes to that. Or, especially in young women, fibromuscular dysplasia uh, can mimic uh, renal artery stenosis and limit blood flow to the kidney. Other patients with connective vascular diseases or connective tissue diseases, such as lupus, um, that can cause the arteries, to be inflamed and to, can raise the blood pressure uh, uh, as well. Sometimes, uh, thing people might not know this, but black licorice, black licorice, uh, can actually raise the blood pressure. And chewing tobacco, you gotta I be careful. I love black
0: licorice.
1: Yes. Uh, well, what, what, uh, black I
0: know licorice? It, yeah, I, I mean, what about,
2: what about what uh, about uh, anise? I mean, does that Anis? raise?
1: Yeah. I'm not sure I know that. It's the herb, the licorice oh. herb. Oh. I, you know, I'd have to... Rev- I thought you met your relatives. Did that <laughs> yeah, anise,
2: yeah. Because <laughs> I, I have an <laughs> herb garden, uh-huh. and anise is one of our... Because it's great in a lot of recipes. Yeah. But, you know, I know that they say uh, grapefruit.
1: Grapefruit? Um,
0: We're well, not supposed to take that with medicine anyways. Right. So grapefruit why interacts grapefruit? with every single medicine. Why is that?
2: It, it, Why it, grapefruit not like oranges, you know?
0: Um, well, because I've I stumped everybody. I know. Yes. Well, I think grapefruit. I think I, I,
2: you're making up a reason. Yes, I can I, tell.
0: I'm, I'm sitting here. Uh, I see the uh,
1: blank stare uh, in your uh, face. Uh, it changes the acidity, decreases the absorption, but the the, the exact mechanism, <laughs> boy, you, I'll get back to you on that one. Okay. I know, but
0: it is. It's always been, you know, especially with transplant meds. I know many, many years ago, in um, cyclosporin, that it would increase the level of your cyclosporin level, mm-hmm. and they were actually working with because the medication was so expensive. Are you talking about
2: grapefruit or licorice? Well, well
0: I'm, I'm getting to the point. Okay. Grapefruit. Well, please hurry up. Grapefruit. Basically, um, they were giving patients less cyclosporin because it was so expensive, and giving them some grapefruit juice to try to mm-hmm. to increase the level. Really? So it's definitely real. So you know, be careful with that. Uh, Well, so in addition to kidney disease, I mean, you know, high blood pressure causes heart disease. It can cause you to have a stroke. And what's the highest blood pressure you've ever seen?
1: Well, the highest one that I've ever seen, and it's pretty routine, would be about 260 over 130. Um, I saw a patient just in clinic about two weeks ago with a blood pressure very close to that. And he was completely... Uh, asymptomatic he had no symptoms I, I kept asking him are you sure you don't have chest pain because i have chest pain and he said no he didn't <laughs> have chest, chest pain, chest pain. he has that
0: high blood pressure well, well, right? was he
1: overweight was uh, he no he he was the the picture of health and he had some moderate chronic kidney disease we ruled out some of the other things that caused high blood pressure like high cortisol levels or abnormal thyroid levels or high Um, aldosterone levels, but he just had absolutely no complaints. Um, He wanted to walk out to the car, uh, and he wasn't concerned about it at all, and of course I felt a little bit uncomfortable with that, so we did some medical management um, before, we let him, uh, let him leave, but he, he made a common uh, mistake that some patients do, is he didn't take his blood pressure medicines before he saw the doctor. Um, many patients, of course, when they see the doctor, they know they have to get labs, they know they can't eat after midnight, and so in addition to not eating food, they sometimes, think that they shouldn't take their blood pressure medicines. So I think that was one of the reasons why his blood pressure was so, so high, in addition to just having to wait and see the doctor. Was he a smoker? He was not a smoker. Um, He was just unfortunate enough to have genetically just very, very high blood pressure. pressure.
0: And, you know, it's amazing because I think a lot of people think, oh, well, if I skip a blood pressure medicine today and I take it tomorrow, tell the importance of taking the blood pressure routinely because Mm – if you take it every day or every other every other day or every three days, it really doesn't help your blood pressure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, taking it routinely really tells you and your physician sort of what the trend of the blood pressure is and what it really is. I mean, there's all sorts of emerging um evidence that it's it's really the 24-hour blood pressure that's much more accurate and much more predictive of how um, how we're all going to do um, compared to just an isolated blood pressure measurement. Um, so I, I think having that blood pressure log and giving that to the physician will really help you and, and the physician figure out which medicines you're on, if they're the right medicines, and whether or not they need to be adjusted.
0: You know, it's interesting you say that because when they were... Uh Screening my living donors one of them uh, Paul they had him wear a 24 hour blood pressure cuff and he's like yeah it was a little interesting but it was pumping up all the time through the night mm-hmm. and I, you know I've never had to do that but it's definitely uh, an interesting thing to think that you know that would be the ultimate blood pressure. Maybe in the future, we're all going to have to occasionally wear 24-hour blood pressure cuffs to know exactly. Or they'll implant
1: a chip in you. That
0: they'll implant a chip. It goes yeah.
1: directly to the doctor. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, no, and that telemedicine, that emerging technology is there. I mean, all sorts oh, I know. A, Companies are coming out that continuously one can measure their blood pressure and their heart rate, and that goes back to a central area. And it doesn't have to be a physician or a nurse or any other health care allied physician or a person can to look at those vital signs and make changes with the patient. How
0: about the smart blood pressure pill? You take it, and it goes in your stomach, then it sends a report to your doctor that you took it.
1: <laughs> are you kidding me? Is that,
0: I, you know, I don't know, but I know that my a
2: My wow. wife had some gastro problems, and she took a pill. That was a camera, I swear. Yes. You know, That's and crazy, isn't it? and and it it eventually Talk obviously comes that uh, comes out. Well, you know what's so <laughs> weird is that the the camera crew had to follow her around the <laughs> entire time. So you know there are so many drugs on the market for blood pressure. What. I mean, how many are there?
1: Well, there's many, there's many many uh, different drugs out there. You're absolutely right. Um, and typically when we think about which medicines we should use for a patient, um, we think about the different classes. And there's many different classes too, but the, the most common ones we use are the diuretics, um, calcium channel blockers, the angiotensin receptor blockers, the beta blockers, Um, And there's other medicines that also commonly that we use. And typically when we try to figure out which regimen is best for our patient, um, we we look obviously at the guidelines and we talk to the patient. Many times the patient's tried one medicine before and they know what works for them and what doesn't work for them. So one thing I always do is really engage the patient and make sure that they're involved Uh, in the process.
0: I took one medicine. I can't remember what it was for blood pressure, but I swear, I felt like an elephant. It made my ankle swell so much that, and I forget what, it began with a P. I can't remember it, but um, I just couldn't take that med. And it's really important for people to tell their doctor immediately when a medication is causing that side effect, because I couldn't get my shoes on. Yes. That's how quickly that medication caused the ankle swelling.
1: Sometimes the side effects of these medicines, in my opinion, is worse than having a high blood pressure. But definitely medicine, some of these blood pressure medicines cause swelling in the legs. Uh, calcium channel blockers can cause swelling of the legs. But you're absolutely right. It's important to find a medicine and a med- medicine regimen that the patient works for them. Otherwise, we're not going right. to take the medicine, right?
0: And, and some of them cause coughing. Right, dry I know cough. know a blood pressure medicine could cause dry coughing. Yes. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. Well, I learned it out because I took one, and I had that symptom too. So I uh, –
1: class of medicines called ACE inhibitors, and the angiotensin receptor blockers can cause uh, a dry cough or even sometimes more serious severe swelling in in the face and in the throat, and and that's obviously a very – that's a medical emergency.
2: So let let me ask you something. To be selfish, I want to ask you about the drug that I'm on. It's called Metropolol. Mm
1: -hmm. Can you tell me about that drug? That's an awful drug. I would never prescribe that. Really? No, no. That's a yeah. that's a great. <laughs> oh. That's a great medicine. You know, that's that's in the class called a, a beta blocker, and there's been many, many studies that have shown that beta blockers are wonderful not only in controlling high blood pressure, um, but they're uh, protective for the heart as well as the kidney. So I think if that medicine you're on and you can tolerate the side effects, I think that's just a wonderful medicine. One thing to keep in mind, you're probably taking that medicine twice a day? Yes. Okay, these twice a day medicines, in theory, you know, they last 12 hours. Um, and in theory, the once a day medicines last 24 hours. But there's more and more evidence that shows, especially these once-a-day medicines, may not exactly last once a day, and as they start to wear off, The blood pressure goes up, so I think that's important to keep in mind that um, the timing of when we take these medicines and how long they last may affect the blood pressure. And sometimes a a once-a-day medicine may not act once a day, and maybe sometimes you can break that up and take that twice a day. Well,
0: I had the blood pressure patch for a while. Mm -hmm. You know, that was interesting. You put it on once a week. Yes. Uh, and it was this little patch i put on and it seemed to work until one time the, the i actually the pharmacy refilled the wrong prescription and gave me the wrong patch
2: It was the anti-smoking patch?
0: Yeah. It was, uh, uh, but anyways, and I, you know what, I did the wrong thing. I didn't check it. I put it on. I'm like, oh, I'm so tired, and then we figured it out. It was the wrong prescription.
1: You know, I have an interesting story, if you have time, about a dialysis patient that I uh, take care of, and it really goes to how important communication is with the physician and the patient, I think, you know, Ninety-nine percent of a good medicine is is all communication. I had a dialysis patient who's very very sweet, um, um, an elderly who has bad osteoarthritis, and uh, recently when I was r- rounding on her in the dialysis unit, she was complaining of some severe um, left shoulder pain. And she also needed her blood pressure medicines refilled. Um, but her blood pressure was, was high. So I was going to start her on a new medicine, this, this patch. And then, of course, I didn't want to give her anti-inflammatories for her shoulder pain. So I gave her Tylenol. Um, I saw her about a week later in the dialysis unit and I asked her about her shoulder pain, and she told me that her shoulder pain was much improved, but she needed another medication refill on, on the patch. And I said, well, you know, why do you need a, another refill on the patch? You know, typically these last a week, and, you know, I gave you many, many refills. You shouldn't be out already after a week. And, and um, she had told me, and as she was doing so, she sort of showed me her, her shoulder, she misunderstood me, and she thought that she was supposed to put this patch on her shoulder pain on her shoulder to make the pain go away. And sure enough, as she showed me her shoulder and um, lifted up her or un- unveiled her her shirt, she had multiple patches on that left shoulder. And she said the patch worked for her shoulder, but she was using the blood pressure patch inappropriately for the and shoulder the, pain. And was she so
0: putting it on once a week or every day? She
1: was putting it on every day. She oh, had man. three That's or four good. patches really on
0: my goodness but her
1: blood pressure was okay oh, Um man. yeah <laughs> she was okay so r- really communication is important um
0: well especially nowadays like it used to be medications were every day yes but now there are some are once a week once a month and that's sometimes I, I take a
2: pill that's once every two weeks
0: yeah it's yeah, it's if a you vitamin. do every day, then that would be problematic. I don't know what would happen.
2: It's vitamin D. Vitamin, vitamin D. D. Once yes, every two weeks. I take leaf. it once a month, vitamin D. I used D. to take it
0: once a month, and now yeah,
2: it's once so every two weeks. Yeah, so you take leaves. it vitamin
0: D. Well, you need more sunshine, Steve. Yes,
1: I know. Now, uh, tell me one other drug, Norvast.
0: Mm-hmm. Tell me about that one.
1: Well, that's in the class of cal- calcium channel blockers. Oh,
0: that's the one that made that, the, the, the swelling, yeah. like swelling appearance.
1: But the, uh, that is a, a very nice medicine. The, the cardiologists love uh, that medicine. And for many patients, it's able to control their blood pressure. In, in m- my experience, um, you know, in, earl- in early high blood pressure, it works well. Sometimes with a really, really high blood pressure, it's, it's not necessarily effective alone. Um, and sometimes additional uh, agents have to be added.
0: So what's the ideal blood pressure and what is the blood pressure that if it's this high, they need to see a doctor immediately or they need to start thinking that they got problems?
1: I think any blood pressures in the 120s, over 80s, now with a new... Uh, research and guidelines that are coming out, the J- JNC 8, one even 130s over 80s would probably be acceptable. Um, I think any blood pressure that's higher that than that, that's also accompanied with symptoms, um, really should not be ignored. And again, those really, uh, the severe symptoms would be chest pain, shortness of breath, a really out of control headache that's different than any headache that you've ever had in your life, um, dizziness, and blurry vision. All those can mean that the patient or um, that the that the person is having organ damage we call it end organ damage from that high blood pressure that the blood pressure is so high it's now affecting the function of the brain or the function of the heart or the function of the lungs Um, and that would definitely warrant uh, evaluation.
0: Well, I encourage everybody to go take their blood pressure right now. I mean, it, there's no time like the present.
1: Well, how many times should
2: somebody take their blood pressure during the day without being changing their lifestyle and taking it to a restaurant with them and pumping up?
1: Yeah, I don't I don't think anyone knows exactly, but what I tell my patients is when you do your blood pressure log, try to take it two or three times a day, maybe Monday, Wednesday or Friday. If you could do it every time or every day great until we get a trend. And after a few weeks or a few months and we know what the trend is, I think taking it once or twice a day, two or two, three times a week would be acceptable. And keep in mind these blood pressure cuffs cost a little bit of money. Um, if money is tight, there are a ton of stores, Rite Aid, CVS, that you can go in, and they have the ability, I believe most places for free, to check your blood pressure. And so that's a quick and easy way to do it for free if you're out and about. But how accurate um, is
2: that, those, those are, machines? They're
1: they are fairly accurate. I think um, it, the person would have to make sure that... they're they're calm, that they take a few minutes to to rest and they're not short of breath, and to repeat the measurement for a few times, and and then it'll be accurate. But definitely the best way to compare any blood pressure cuff is to buy your own cuff, and then when someone else checks your blood pressure, also check it with your own cuff. And that's a good point to make. If you're checking your blood pressure at home, and you have your own cuff, and you have your blood pressure log, when you bring that log into your doctor, bring your blood pressure cuff in too, because if the doctor checks your blood pressure and it's high on his cuff, but it's uh, you know it's not high on your cuff in the doctor's office, then maybe there's a problem with your cuff.
0: Well, and I have one more point before we close. You're not supposed to take your blood pressure on your access arm.
1: Yes, save that access arm um we don't yeah
0: yeah you know especially if you have like a fistula or a yes. graft you can't take your blood pressure on it so and you know, if you're in the hospital they don't always understand that
1: we have to remind we have to remind the healthcare professionals especially the uh, the people that aren't um, familiar with the special um, challenges and needs of patients that are on dialysis about that very important point. Checking that blood pressure on the arm in someone that has a fistula could decrease blood flow to that fistula and it could be very s- serious or, or catastrophic. Absolutely. So it's okay to tell whoever's trying to do that, do not mess with that arm.
2: Now, now is
1: manual more accurate than the
2: automatic ones?
1: Um, I think they're both pretty accurate, um, but manual by far is probably more accurate, and really the most accurate on whatever blood pressure cuff you're using is to do it multiple times and sort of get a consensus reading.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you, Dr. Wilson, for coming out and uh, you know telling us all this great information about blood pressure. A lot of people don't know about it. I hope the people listening will send it to their friends and family to understand you know, what blood pressure and high blood pressure is. So thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you, Lori, for having me. I really appreciate the
0: opportunity. It's
2: great having the doctor here. And I always get nervous when I'm sitting next to doctors.
0: You get the white coat syndrome. Right.
2: My blood pressure's up.
1: Let's check it right now. Yeah, Let's tell the world.